Welcome to the Man Up, Man Down podcast, presented by Volker Baluda and David Pawsey. We discuss the pressures and challenges faced by men approaching middle age that we're often too embarrassed to speak about with our friends. You can find us online at www.manupdown.com. Enjoy the show and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. So welcome to another episode of Men Up, Men Down. So we welcome Andrew Waddell, stuck in midlife. So Andrew has 20 years experience in advertising agencies. So he worked with, you know, lots of well-known and highly demanding brands and concluded um, in a severe burnout. Um, so he then refound his direction and a purpose in life through therapy and coaching. So it resulted in him leaving the corporate world, taking a master's in organizational psychology and qualifying as an associate certified coach with the ICF. From then he set up the Midlife Coach. So that's 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 the, the, the company he's operating under, or the, the term he's operating under, focusing on supporting men struggling or stuck in midlife. Um, so a topic as, as the listeners know, very, very close to our hearts. So for the past three years, he's been working with a wide range of middle life, midlife men, from those on the verge of depression, desperate to rediscover the joy in life, um, to energetic self-starters looking to build their own meaningful legacy through work and family, and everything in between. So they come from all different backgrounds and professions with very different needs and goals. What unites them is that they all have reached the realization that they cannot do it alone. So, Andrew, first of all, welcome to our podcast, of course. So, so we already chatted before then, so, yeah, so I can really forgetting that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a lot in there in the introduction, and you know, it's, it's, it's obviously tightly packed because that's what introductions are. So I'd like to unpack that because as, as, as the listeners know, and, and we, we kind of touched on that just, just before we went live as well. As listeners, so I, I, I work in the digital industry. I, I used to say sell to people like you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the stuff that no one needs. So, so tell us about it, you know, tell us about the, um, you know, advertising agency life and, and why, why you decided to can it. I mean, you, you mentioned yeah. burnout and as, as I know that there's so many people with burnout with, within, within the industry and it's yeah. worth a lot of. Yes, but I don't want to take any thunder. With. Uh, so, so tell us about your story. Yeah. So, um, well, firstly, yeah, thanks for having me on, on on the podcast. Really, really pleased to be meeting you guys. So, yeah, I mean, the world of advertising, uh, as everyone will know, is you know, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors to it. There's a lot of you know, glamour um, in sort of inverted commas. And I guess you know, 20 years. I'm right. That certainly enjoyed a lot of it. I loved the agency world. It was great fun. There was lots of you know, access to parties and that kind of stuff. It was definitely a work hard, play hard environment for sure. And when you were younger, it was great. You know, it was you know, it was your social life and it was your work life. And you know, I was um, kind of felt a degree of belonging. And really enjoyed it. And then I guess as I went up the ladder and through the paces, I just started to have some you know pretty big ethical questions around the role of marketing in contributing to society and just feeling really that I was putting an awful lot of energy and uh, prioritization in my life towards something that really didn't give a lot back. And that, I guess, culminated in the last kind of, in the second 10 years of the 20, as I got into senior leadership and I became kind of heads of client service, managing partners, and eventually a COO of a, of a big London agency. Um, that really, I felt that, uh, you know, the sacrifice was just too big. Uh, I had a young family. I was working, you know, lots and lots of weekends. You were absolutely the beck and call of your your clients. Uh, the work was not particularly exciting, frankly. It was all pretty much 
Um, as I say, sort of smoke and mirrors. There's a lot of overclaim, I think, in in, in the agency world to what they yeah. can and can't kind of solve. And I guess I just got sick of, of as you say, of the BS. Um, I got sick of not being authentic. But in truth, what happened in the end was just burnout. I mean, it was it was you know it was uh, a classic kind of midlife experience. It was a combination of uh, a huge amount of anxiety and stress at work, coupled with not dealing with the grief of losing my dad a couple of years before then when I turned forty. Uh, and you know, feeling that I wasn't doing a good job anywhere in my life. I wasn't a good husband. I wasn't a good father. I wasn't a great employee, great client. So all in all, you just got to this level of like, you know, no confidence and absolute kind of second guessing. And that in classic male form came out as anger because I also didn't have any of the tools to deal with it, to express myself. I came from a, a boarding school childhood. So where, yeah. you know, one thing you're absolutely taught is just to, to, to get on with it, suffer in silence, you know, don't, 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 nobody talking about emotion. And so I just didn't have the tools to deal with it. And it all ended up in, you know, in a heap on the kitchen floor one evening, um, yeah, in, in complete pieces. And I was very lucky that, you know, my other half is, you know, we've got a very strong relationship and, and very uh, yeah, great communication as a relationship. And so she was able to see what was happening, not hear all of the vitriol that I was sending her way, because when you're in that place, you're, you blame everyone around you. And to get me the help I needed. Uh, and then I went through therapy for a year that was, you know, I'm a, a massive advocate of, of therapy, not because I had any, you know, big trauma in my life, but just because I don't think I had the tools to deal with my life and, and to, to recognize who I was. And that through that and a fantastic therapist that I found through welldoing.org. And, you know, from that, I think quite quickly, I understood what, what my issues were started to resolve some of the relationships that I'd let go of, dealt with my grief. There was a really important element, I think, that as, as men, we don't always give enough care and attention towards dealing with grief, um, recognizing it, but actually letting it out as well. And then I started to realize that there was, there was the opportunity to change my life. And I think that, for me, was just this massive learning that, yeah, you're not held to a single narrative. You're not held, you know, I always use the analogy of kind of the, the, the swimming pool, you know, in that you can't, you can't choose where you jump off from. Right, that that's just that's where you've been born into. That's your family. You you, know, you were born into. You got yeah. to use that. That's just that just happens. But from when you dive in, yeah, the lane that you dive into that's held in place by those polystyrene swim lanes. That's your lived experience. That's all of the influence around you. That's all of the your sense of authority, all your self limiting beliefs. Everything is it's driving you into that single lane. And midlife is being you know halfway down the pool. And looking around and going, shit, there's a there's a massive pool here. And yeah, there's a massive pool. And I seem to be on a linear journey from my childhood to my death. And it's just it's preordained. Oh, and that's a that can be a very helpless feeling, a real feeling of, you know, I use the word stuckness, because for me that's where people are. They're treading water in the middle of this space. It feels pretty they feel like they're being they've got to do something, they're not quite sure why they've got to do it. And they're aware that they could have been something else entirely. And it brings on all sorts of self-doubt. And and, um, and people get paralyzed by that inability to make a, a decision, you know, a proactive decision, because they don't know where, they don't know which direction they're heading. And so having you know, gone through therapy by myself, you know, I recognize that I think my experience was, I think, true to a lot of midlife men. I felt that I had the skills in terms of communication and just a fascination in human behavior, but also behavior of organizations. And that's what got me into organizational psychology was that actually you can't just uh, talk about the individual. You've got to talk about the individual yeah. part of the group, you know, whether that's a family or a group of friends or an organization. You can't just remove the individual from that. We're all 
constantly you know trading off with the people around us um so that really you know, that was really fascinating um and then i got into coaching um and just from there i think you know, realized that i'd found my north star um and also you know something that was genuinely going to help people and felt that had a, a societal value felt like something i could be i could be both good at but, but get something out of and that's when i set up the midlife coach uh, three years ago and kind of the rest is the rest has just been history. It's just been you know, all of the pressures of running your own business and trying to trying to find leads, trying to find clients, but including yeah. satisfying work, um, and a real understanding, I guess, of the breadth of experience of midlife. That whilst I think there's some absolute commonalities, there's also you know a lot of obviously unique individuality that goes on that that you know, means you've got to understand personalities, different personalities. Not everyone responds in the same way. And I think that's been my kind of learning in the last 18 months is probably how I can start to structure my business and my, my work around the different kinds of needs that the midlife men are bringing to that coaching. There's there's a lot of lot of interesting <laughs> things in there. Yeah. I mean, sort of one of the things that I sort of picked up on, um, I mean, you said, you said, you know, well, we're so, you know, if you don't mind, sort of talk about your story and then, you know, perhaps yeah. speak more generally. But um I mean, you said that, you know, you felt that you weren't doing well in anything at work, you know, well, whether that was like as a leader, as, you know, a client, also like in the family. I mean, was that something that you felt yourself or, you know, were clients saying or, or you know, your superiors saying, mm-hmm. oh, you know, Andrew's gone a bit off the boil or was it yeah. all internal? Good question. No, I mean it was all internal, and I think yeah, that was the yeah that was the training of my my childhood was that you you dealt with your own emotions and you didn't show them. So I was the classic kind of swan, you know, paddling wildly under the surface but looking pretty serene on top. And yeah, um, you know, I just kept sucking up the you know, the stress. You know, after my dad died, um, I think yeah, two weeks after my dad died, my CEO came to me and said, yeah, do you yeah, there's a pitch, uh, and this is on yeah, an advertising pitch, and pitches are. As uh, Volker would know, you know, incredibly stressful environments. Yeah, talking about million, you know, multi-million pound deals. So you know, it, that's two, three, four months, six months of your life that's going to be absolutely full on from then on. You know, and I, I was just like, yeah, I'll take that pitch on, no worries. You know, went straight into that. You know, I just it didn't even occur to me to stop. And I think that's true. A lot of men who just will just dive into doing more of what they've been doing because that's what how they thought they coped in the past. Yeah. So did your colleagues know that your dad had died? Oh yeah, and there was and they and they were thoroughly kind of it, it wasn't positioned that I had to do it. It was it was you know yeah. there's some of the idea to it. So it wasn't a lack of compassion on on her side at all. It was I took it on because I thought that's how I would deal with it. You know, I mean, my dad died six months ago, and you oh, know, I think the fact is, oh, thank you. Um, you know, the fact is there is you know no handbook for it, and we all do react in different ways. And you know, I've got friends. Like one friend in particular, when his mum passed away, and he, you know, pretty much started a new job, and mm-hmm. and didn't say anything, and that was his way of, wow. of like coping with it. Whereas, you know, I sort of, yeah, almost had a bit of a sort of shutdown in terms of work, where you know I couldn't focus. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and just like another couple of things I sort of wanted to pick up on. I mean, they're observations rather than questions, but. Um, I mean, you sort of talked about early in your career, you know, the degree of belonging. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think that is sort of, I mean, that's sort of certainly something I think a lot of us go through at at this age because I think, you know, you you sort of, the belonging sort of, well, I think with children, you know, they get to a certain age and they don't need you as much. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, I think the other thing that I picked up on was, you know, you sort of talked about your legacy and, and I think that is something, I mean, it's something mm-hmm. that I've talked about in therapy quite a bit, yeah. you know, it is sort of, yeah, how, how do I sort of leave a mark and, you know, and, and does that need to be a physical thing or, you know, can that be how you bring your children up? But, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you sort of touched on, on pretty much yeah. a lot of the things that we talk about on this podcast. Yeah. Well, I think the legacy one is really interesting, right? Because, um, you know, and I, and I see, I always say that, that my my clients, I guess, fall into two camps. Now, obviously, there's extreme versions of each of those camps. So it's not, there's no space in between them. But the two camps, I, I call them the limited and the limitless. And the limited is what I was. You know, it's stuck in place. All you can see is obstacles. Some, yeah, there's a sense of self-limitation, like I don't have the skills and the capabilities to overcome this. Um and that stuckness is is represented and comes out in a lot of ways. Sometimes it's a real focus on career stuckness. Sometimes it's felt on, in roles. So fatherhood is a, is a classic one that comes out in that space of not really taking up the role of father, not really knowing what the role of father should be. Um, you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of well Simon Pegg, the uh, the actor from um, yeah. talked about. I mean, he talked about this idea of I think he was asked you know, are you one of those pointless sort of questions in an interview. Uh, you know, are you a good dad? And he was just like, well, I'm both a brilliant dad and a terrible dad. And the reason for that is our generation of dads are trying to figure out what being a dad means for the first time. You know, we we don't have any um, history of what fatherhood really means in a positive way, uh, in a more emotional connection way. We're making it up as we go along. And so I see this, I've experienced this as, uh, myself. I have conversations with my friends about it. I have conversations with my clients about it. This idea that you know, they'll, they'll come to me and they'll say, I'm feeling so guilty because I blew up on my my child the other day. You know, I really shout, really shouted to them and they cried. I feel so guilty about this. And then you go, okay, what else happened? And they go, oh, but also I took my, you know, I took my child to schools and I took my child to the rugby and we were sitting in the car and we were talking. And this, and you're like, well, okay, this is the two sides that neither of those sides was experienced by, did we experience from our fathers particularly? Uh, that just that attempt to connect and part of emotional connection is going to involve frustration and the the, the, the demonstration of frustration and anger that's okay you know my upbringing was one of no emotional element on either of those scales there was no you know conversation around love and support and there was no anger expressed it was just an absence of emotion so the fact that dads are now trying to define a role that has an emotionality to it but struggling with it that's okay because we're the ones who are trying to do that and we don't have the role models to to necessarily lean back on so uh, i hope i've got two sons that our sons as a result will be better dads even though we are because this is the, this is the nature of the beast so, so but that that also is in the, in the limited space the limitless are those people who are for whatever reasons have come to a point of realization that of the opportunity of midlife and i always talk about this idea of you know the, the traditional mountaintop you know you've climbed the mountain you're at the summit and now the only way is down is kind of the pessimistic view of midlife uh, but their view of it is no no now I'm at the top of I can see everywhere I've got a 360 degree view I've got all of this life experience I know way more than I did when I was 20 when I knew nothing <laughs> you know um, and, and now I can choose which way I continue and so yes there's an age factor and we've got to accept the fact that we're getting old and that brings other things to it but there's an opportunity in midlife so they tend to be the two sides there's the stuns who are stuck and they need help in un- unpacking that stuckness and taking up their roles. And then there's the ones who understand the opportunity and all they're looking for is someone to help them remain authentic on that journey. 
so they're, they're kind of the two sides I think that I, that I see um, yeah. in that midlife experience right now. I, I think I fall into the letter camp, I have to say. So without wanting to talk about my digital marketing experience, but um, my, my last full-time job was actually with an agency. Yeah, I probably probably shouldn't say on the podcast what happened, but you know there, there was literally no communication. So I you know, yeah. was asked to leave, which could have just been resolved a bit nicer, I think. But uh, without wanting to go into detail, but it, it is exactly that, right? You, 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 you're in an environment that isn't authentic, right? Which is just full of, of, of bullshit, as you mentioned. But yeah, I, I got to the realization that, you know, I, I have more to offer, you know, than, than working for other people 100% of my time. And after taking several redundancies, which, which I did over my career, right, like constantly putting my, my fortune into other people's hands, I'm like, it's, yes. it's time to, to be on the mountain. I like that analogy of that mountain. I might steal that. <laughs> However, I'm going to challenge you on the other another analogy you use from the swimming pool. Yes. You think midlife is halfway down the, the swimming pool or is it is it a third because I mean yes it's age right we, we, we're somehow restrictive yeah but I sometimes find um, and, and obviously everyone develops at their own pace right so I, I took a lot longer to, to figure out what I want to do in life than, than many other people yeah. um, but you know we shouldn't compare ourselves to others anyway that's probably a completely different topic but I, I sometimes find you know I'm, I'm 46 now so when when I turned 40 or or I mean, you, and 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 who, who listens to us regularly, Dave, David and I. I think it wasn't the kickoff episode for for the podcast. We talked about, you know, I, ha- I had a sports car then, um, you know, which I now had to get rid of. A cost of living crisis. B fourteen year old car, maybe not the best idea. And 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 B, I started um, getting tattoos when I was literally during lockdown twenty twenty. So I was um, forty three. I'm now forty six, and I'm. As David knows I'm covered now. Um, <laughs> so, so that was three years. Uh, the naked podcast recording. <laughs> yeah, maybe. yeah. So, so what? What I mean is, we we, we now have the means. You know, we, we have more disposable income than we had maybe in our twenties, right? Mm-hmm. And in my twenties, yes, I always wanted to have a tattoo, but I was so career focused. So when when lockdown hit, I'm like, shit, I always wanted to have a tattoo. Why don't I get one? And then, yeah. because you have the means, you just carry on getting them. At least that's my experience. Yeah, but what what you know is is it? I almost feel like I'm 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 now living a different life, right, than I did in my twenties, and and I definitely, and and you mentioned that as well, right? Kind of got, got rid of the burden in terms of expectations. So you know, this, this podcast is actually very timely because my parents were here this weekend, and we we were discussing a couple of things that that my kids might want to do, and, and one of the things was like, but but he can't earn a lot of money with that, and I'm like, there it starts again, right? You know. Yes. What what I went through that it was all about money in my career, which I realized at forty six I should have not listened to my parents because it's about life, it's about what I want, it's not about yes. money. Yeah, and I, I won't change my parents. Right, they're eighty odd. They they won't have any more kids. Um, and you know they're, they're not. I mean, I assume they don't. And and there's this thing scientific oh. breakthroughs every single day, Volker. <laughs> yeah. You can still have a little brother or sister. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's this poem. I don't know. Did I read that out before, David? So, so I totally go off on a tangent here. I don't want to want to steal your airtime, but but my psychology uh, teacher actually gave that you know mentioned to us. Let me see if I can find it quickly, because it's 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 literally a poem about how how our parents fuck us up pretty much. Oh, wait, so, wait, Larkin, is- Larkin, yeah. Do, do you know Philip Larkin? This oh, yeah. this piece of verse, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know they fuck us up. Your mum and dad. So any anyone who's interested can 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 read it. Then you know can can find it. 
I, I think it's brilliant because it sums it up, right? We, we get so much stuff preloaded from our parents. And then you, you rightly said, um, and then I stopped my last point, that when, when, when we get to midlife, we realize we don't want to fuck up our children, yeah. right? We, we actually want to be better than our parents' generation. And I'm not saying everyone got fucked up, but you know, a lot of us did. So yeah, is, is that why we get into midlife crisis? And, and is it halfway? I, I think I think it's only the yeah. beginning. I mean, physically, I, I guess you know, I don't live over 120 max. I think you know that's that's kind of I think my aim. But you know, I, I hope I have a lifetime and potentially a working life. You know, yeah. whatever work means in, in that age, up to 70 or 80 even, because I I, I want to, yeah. right? I want to give back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's say so, so a couple of th- couple of thoughts, uh, and I love, I love the film of Narkin. I mean, I think that's such a such a truism, and one that really I think bears some reflection as we think about our own parents and we think about you know, this idea of being the sandwich generation, this idea that we're sandwiched between our parents and our children, and therefore both are dependent on us. We get to that point where the you know, relationship with our parents changes when they become you know more dependent on us. And that that parent child thing switches, but but I was going to say um, so the swimming pool just to cover that off. I mean, one of the battles I had when I was thinking of, when when I call myself a midlife coach was, you know, am I being too niche? You know, am I am I putting myself? In, you know, what does midlife even mean? And all this other. Um, and certainly, in, you know, in the three years I've had clients from the age of, I think my youngest client was twenty eight, my oldest client was sixty seven, and I would say that both of those people were in a midlife mindset. And what I mean by that, so I think for me, it's not it's not around midlife in terms of a moment in time. It's, it's a mindset of reflection, of looking around that top of the mountain piece and going, okay, hang on a minute. And that can happen, to, as you say, to each individual at a different time, that moment of awakening. You know, it's just, you know, it happens at different stages. So for me, I'm, I think it's what I'm coaching is the mindset, not the age. But I think there's something, you know, there's this idea. I think I still think there is a midlife thing. You know, we think about, you know, mid, the midlife crisis was, yeah, it was coined by a guy called Elliot Jacques back in like the 50s. And it was absolutely, it was death and the midlife crisis. It was all about this idea of reaching a point when you start to think, oh God, I'm going to die at some point. You know, that that's shit. I haven't thought about this. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. And now I'm suddenly reflective that I've got a, I've got this this finite amount of time. And so there's definitely that. And I think sometimes actually we, we don't do ourselves a service, but we don't acknowledge that that's part of the thinking is, Okay, I, I see. Have to, and that's where legacy comes in, right? Um, to David's point, now it's this, you know, it's this idea of that's the moment of re, of, re, of realization is I've got a finite amount of time, and I want to feel at the end of it, whenever I am on my deathbed, whatever, whatever that age is, I want to be able to look back and feel like that I had value, that I they, that I imparted value somewhere in this in this world. There was a point to it all, and so I think you know that idea of the midlife crisis. I think though is a really um, unfortunate term and one that I try not to use. I try not to think about midlife transition, midlife mindset, only because I think midlife crisis has been has become like a social f- um, device now. It's become you know, something that is so used by the media. It's such a disparaging term and it holds us in place as being this pathetic, testosterone-fueled old man trying to hang on to his youth, you know, sports, sports cars, fast cars, you know, affairs. It's all positioned as a stereotype of the midlife crisis is seen as being a weakness. And of course, it should be seen as being a moment of strength. It's a moment of going, I want to take control back in my life and I want to be at, I want to do something of value. And I, I love this idea of this thing called generativity. And generativity is this uh, moment in your midlife when you start to recognize it's obviously linked to this idea of, of moving on. You know, having a finite life. Generativity is all about this desire to give something back. 
Uh, and it's about the next generation, nurturing the next generation. And it gets mistaken for parenthood because often it comes at a similar time in people's lives. But actually, in people who don't have kids, it's also present. It's a moment you move from the narcissism of being young, of being 20, whenever you just want everything to, to serve your needs. And this realization that actually you have the benefit, you have the ability to, to, to give back and to make things better for, for next generations. And for me, that's what midlife is, is all about. I mean, that's not to say that everybody I coach in midlife is looking to do a job in which they are giving to society. Um, you know, I've, I've worked with plenty of clients who are, you know, building corporate entities, building commercial entities, and they're looking to make money. They're looking to, and yeah, today's one about legacy. They're looking to build something physical for them, and that's fine because that's their that's their success metric around legacy. But they're also doing it from a much more authentic place. So if they are going to be doing it in the commercial space, if they are doing it, they're doing it from a sense of values. They're doing it from a sense of purpose. The work might still be advertising or sales or whatever else but but the idea is that there's a humanity at the heart of it and that's what's that's what usually the shift is they recognize that the organizations they've come from didn't really recognize the value of individual you know people and the skills they bring um and they want to build someone that does and so that that sense of um of wholeness that we talk about uh as being sort of you know really a, you know an imperative for, for organizations in the future is how do we how do we allow people to bring their wholeness to work so I think um, yeah, legacy is an interesting one um, because I think absolutely that's part of it and it's different for different people. I guess one of the challenges I have around legacy in, in coaching clients is often, and I don't know if it's a social construct or it's, or it's an output of this idea of this this focus on more emotionally led fatherhood, um, is this idea that our kids are our legacy. And I have to say with my, with, with my coaching, and I'm a, re- I'm a directive, directive coach as opposed to a non-directive coach, I'm, I'm, I'm more challenging than I am kind of just um, creating a containing space. Um, I tend to challenge around this idea of just our children being our legacy. Of course they are, but actually I think for, for fulfillment in life, we also need something that is outside of just our children. Because if we just pour all of our hopes and aspirations into our children, what's, what's left for us? Um, you know, and midlife is saying we've still got all of this opportunity moving forward. And so, yes, we want to bring up our kids to be successful and happy and authentic, all these things. But what about what about ourselves? What are we building for ourselves? And that I think is interesting because it, often it's it becomes very easy to say it's my kids, and actually that stops us from challenging ourselves to think about what bigger impact we could be having to our communities, to society, to humanity. You know, why why just stop with our kids? Men Up, Men Down is sponsored by Welldoing. It's a great platform for finding a therapist or counsellor. They only accept verified professionals and they make it really easy to find one who is right for you. You can also use their personalised matching service so your availability, budget and needs are expertly matched with just the right person. If you didn't already know, success in therapy is down to making a great match with your counsellor and the people at Welldoing really know how to make that happen. Plus, they have loads of stories, videos and interviews to support your mental health. Take a look at welldoing.org. I think it's interesting that essentially you're almost talking about balance there in the, you know, there's people that have, well, you know, and I'd say I'm probably feel like I, I almost did it the other way around that I was a stay-at-home dad you know spent a lot of time with my children whereas now I'm kind of like right you know sort of more motivated about well 
my my sort of professional life um albeit twisted in with like what does it actually want to do um you know i i earn money in a certain way i guess there's other ways well you know it'd be nice to earn money from uh speaking to interesting people like you but yeah you know and, and it's sort of and, and i look at my friends you know who i think well if i hadn't sort of become a stay-at-home dad you know would i have sort of got to that stage in my career but then you know again it's like well you know, I sort of see a lot, a lot of dads that are like, oh, actually, they've now realised they've missed out and they're playing catch up. So, yeah, as I say, you know, it's, well, the grass is always greener, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just um, that idea that, yeah, I, uh, yes, I think there's a trade between, yeah, career and, and, and well, there's a, there's a trade between every role that we take up. I'm not, mm. I'm not a big fan of kind of the work-life balance because I think mm. it becomes quite quite simplistic in, in a very complex world now in terms of hybrid working and the fact we work from home and all sorts of stuff. So I tend to say, talk about the roles that we take up and the role, yeah, we think about all the roles we take up, um, you know, in both sides of the work-life balance. Um, it's about the balance of those. but And it's not necessarily even about balancing them. It's about thinking that, feeling like we have control and we've prioritised. So I talk a lot about, you know, it's, it's a phrase that one of my, clients used to use which i hated and i now i now use it which is one of my own corporate clients back in advertising days uh, which is this word choicefulness which is not a real word at all but i like this idea of you know, being choiceful about what we're doing and i think a lot of midlife is around compromise mm. and a lot of the stuck people who have the stuckness is because they feel like they are just reacting to external agendas and it's not that they don't want to do this stuff it's being a dad it's doing that stuff being an employee but it's that they're not choosing where they place their time and energy is just kind of happening and time is passing and yeah uh you know we all get to that point where we always chart our lives by our kids ages as they get older. yeah always always just sort of delegating that and i think you know so much of the coaching i do is really placed and what i try and do for myself is getting to this place of making choices not compromises so yeah every decision that we make in life however big or however small is either a choice or a compromise it doesn't mean they're easy choices but it's also making a proactive choice to do something even if it's to prioritize work over home for a period of time Mm. for some reason if we've chosen to do that that's okay the problem and i think where burnout comes from is this reactivity to it this fact that we've lost the ability to control our lives um and and we just feel like we're just sandwiched between everything and that is a place of helplessness and i mean you know a place of self-judgment as well i mean i i sort of well, yeah, kind of went through exactly what you're talking about in the, you know, I'm like, well, my social life effectively revolves around taking my son to football, you know, and I'm like, well, there was there was just like one Saturday where I was sort of sitting in the, the, the lounge on my own and I'm like, well, my daughter's out, you know, my son's like basically recovering from his football this morning. Uh, my partner was like in the office playing computer games and I'm like, you know, I used to have things planned out on a Saturday and I'm like, but now I got so used to not making plans because we'd be doing something. I'm like, actually, and now I'm sitting here frustrated. Yeah. So, I mean, as a result, I mean, like, you know, I've, I've well, yeah, started making plans at the weekends and in the evenings, yeah. um, sort of playing football and but it was almost a conscious decision to start making conscious decisions. And as you say, it is about compromise because there is a period where, you know, you do have to be there for your children and they are your life. 
Yeah. But I think it's also sort of recognizing that actually, well, yeah, recognizing when it's time to change lanes, I guess, is, is you know, and, and that, and I think, again, you know, it's sort of, it doesn't necessarily have to be quitting your job and, you know, starting up a, you know, like a, an artisanal bakery, you know, it can <laughs> yeah. be sort of relatively small changes. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, yeah. this reminds me of the, I think it's it Benjamin Disraeli, but not every action leads to happiness, but without action, there is no happiness. Yes. Great. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, a lot of, um, with workplace stuff, you're absolutely right. It doesn't have to be around pursuing some, you know, steady on your own business or, you know, becoming something completely different. Um, I had, a, I remember I had a client who came to me, they wanted to, they said, well, I want to be a beekeeper. They worked in TV. I want to be a beekeeper and I, I want the coaching to help me become a beekeeper. And of course, you quickly, you know, realized in the coaching environment, it had nothing to do with really wanting to be a beekeeper. It was everything that the, what the bee, being a beekeeper represented in their mind compared to what they were doing. Um, and once we unpacked all of that, then actually the action that they took was to quit the TV production company they were with that was very toxic and was very kind of unpleasant environment. And, and they set up their own TV company with some environmental friends. So they actually, what they recognized was they could take the learning of what, what they wanted to different, but deploy it in what, in what they already were doing. And this is why, I mean, I remember my therapist saying this to me uh, in, in the latter stages of my therapy when I was kind of in, in a much more forward-facing sort of positive frame of mind. And, um, you know, I'd love the process of therapy, but be fascinated by it. And I remember saying to her, you know, I think I want to be a, a therapist. You know, I think maybe that's my future as a trainer as a therapist. And she said, you know, absolutely, that may be where you, where you go, but what about, yeah, what about the 20 years experience you have doing something? And is there somewhere in between those things? Do you have to, you know, but, and um, I thought that was very interesting because that's when I went into organizational psychology as a stepping stone. And I think she was right in that only, I think sometimes when we position this kind of, this alternate life, that, that we, this dream that's out there, it becomes a dream. And the problem with the dream is it's not real and it never feels like it's going to be real. And it's so distant from our day-to-day reality that we have no idea how to, how to get there. You know, it's, it, with my swimming pool analogy, it's literally, you know, looking up and it's, it's the other side of the pool. There's a load of swim lanes in between me and there. How And so they're stuck. Um, so we can be paralyzed by our dreams as well. Um, and I think that ability to go, well, actually, what's the tangent? What's the thing that's near to what I do now? And also not walking away from the experiences we have. You know, we don't want to live a life of regret. We don't want to look back. And I don't regret my time in advertising. I had lots of good, lots of good experiences. I learned a lot of stuff, and I don't believe for a second I would have got to where I got today if I hadn't gone through that process. But I can also see, I can take the learnings from it. But I think regret is, is you know, so much again of midlife can end up in a backwards-facing regret. Um, and that's one of the great things about coaching, right? Which is that it, it tries to take all that learned experience we've got and turn it into stuff we can use moving forwards, as opposed to kind of trying to resolve the past, which is actually going, no, I am who I am today. I certainly want to understand how I got there, but only so I can use those skills to move to the next place. And it often strikes me with, you know, midlife, you know, we've got so much more experience in midlife, so much more sense of the world around us, all these skills we've learned over time, so much more than we did at 20. And yet at 20, we were fearless. So we, you know, we, we, we just did stuff. And it's like, how can we capture that again? And I get one of the things, um, you know, I really try to try and tap into, and actually something I put on LinkedIn today, there was a, a, somebody uh, sent around a really interesting interview with um, the guy who co-founded Calm, and he was talking about uh, the, the app, the uh, mindfulness app, and he was talking about the role of playfulness and trying to re-engage with playfulness. And it's something that I absolutely believe in and something I, I language I use in my coaching, which is this idea of playing with the possibility, 
which is how do we get to a place of creativity? How do we get to a place where we take the pressure away from having to make a decision, like quitting my job tomorrow and training to be a you know a, a hairdresser or something? And it's like, no, okay, well, what can I just play with? Let me just play with those potential futures. And so we'll create a space in which people, you know, we'll journal it, we'll talk about it, we'll explore it. Like literally, what would it be like? What would a day in the life of me as a hairdresser look like? What am I? What are my interactions? What am I getting out of it? Where's the energy in it? Am I getting energy from it? Is it draining? What's the shit spit of it? You know, which are the bits that really don't sound like much fun? Does the balance work? Is the trade worth it? Because all of this stuff is trade, you know. And I, I'm I'm very kind of open and honest about this. You know, I mean, my my salary when I left advertising, I mean, you know, I earned I earned what twenty five percent of what I earned when I was working in advertising. You know, the idea that life is just swimmingly gone on, you know, it, it, without change. It, no, I've made choices. You know, we've had to tighten our belts. We, we, have, we live a different lifestyle than we lived then. And that's really important because I think a lot of people are, um, get trapped by lifestyle. You know, life comes self-service. So, so we've, we've, I'm going to jump in there, David, because I need to make this joke. Did, did your client then set up the BBC, right? Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it was such a dead joke, I couldn't resist. Sorry, David. Uh, you go first. <laughs> no, that was, that, was, that was definitely worth waiting for. <laughs> I love what you just said in terms of regrets, right? Because I think it was actually this morning as well. I read somewhere, I think someone just got diagnosed with cancer and has two months left. And he says, it's not what we, you know, we don't regret what we did. We regret what we didn't do. Yeah. Right. So, so if you always wanted to get the sports car, right? Like, like one of the reasons I got it was because I wanted to have it for years and years and years that had financials because I had a really good year and I bought it and then I sold it again because you know, of course it was silly, right? No one else fitted in it but me and no one wanted to fit in it. But it's it's like if 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 I hadn't done it, I would now sit on the podcast and go like I always wanted to buy this Jaguar. Yeah. Right. Um so so it's almost like you you, you want to get through these things and whether it's a bungee jump or you know visiting the, the Great Wall of China or whatever it is. Um and and I think that's important for people to realize, you know, if you have this dream to be a beekeeper, do do become a beekeeper. And the other thing you, you just mentioned, and that's a topic, I, you know, lo looking at the time, I don't know if you have time for it, but I would like to just touch on it briefly, because I think for a lot of people, and that includes me and David and I have been discussing that at, at length, is when, when you jump, you know, and whether it's advertising or other industries that pay really, really well, right? And, and probably too well, in, in my opinion, but again, that's, that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> and, and you jump into something like, let it be coaching or, or 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 therapy, right? So once all of a sudden you have you have a difference in income, right? And and you have this golden cage, right? At, at 40, 45. You know, once you have the kids and you have the sports car and you have the big house and you have the big mortgage, because you base it all around the salary you're used to. Yeah. You know, how how do you get out of this golden cage? Is there is there a trick you can tell me? Because I yeah. find it super difficult because i I can do spreadsheets over and over again, but you know, you you don't start selling your house once of a sudden. Um, you know, you, you can downsize. Well, you some do. I mean, yeah, some do. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think it's. I think the key thing is is as with all coaching, you know, the the the, the, the kind of the cliche, which is you know, self awareness drives change, which change doesn't come with just with self awareness. But yeah, self awareness is the first thing. And I mean, I remember my so my dad was a you know, ran a law firm in a in a in a um a town outside of um outside of London, so not a big law firm. Um, and he used to come back from work and tell us how he'd got you know some London lawyer in his kind of 
late 30s and you know had gone come to him and said oh i'd love to work for your law firm and yeah i've spoken to my wife and we think we can live on you know three hundred thousand pounds a year you know we, we can get down to that and he would be like well that's way more than I earn and I run the company. So, you know, you, you've got to a point where you've just lost reality. You've lost a sense of the, your, your choices yeah. because your lifestyle is defining your choices. Um, and we all live to our lifestyle. Of course we do. But I think then the next conversation becomes around value. You know, it's like, what is the value of this life for you? Uh, and, and would you look back on, you know, a life where you'd managed to afford to send your kids to boarding school is a positive or a regret later in life, you know, and that'll be an entirely personal thing. It's where you place your value. If you feel like you've given them a better education and therefore you feel value there, then great. If you feel like you, as a result, sent away and not builds a relationship with your children, that bothers you, then it's not worth doing. So you have to understand where all the value comes from. Life. It doesn't just come from our salary, our salary, our money. Money is an enabler. Only yeah. the things that it enables cost money. I mean, for me, one of the, I'll try and engage people with is is back into this idea that. The only things we have control over in our lives is what we do with our time and where we place our energy. Like, yeah. That's it. There's nothing else. Uh, everyone's got the same amount of time. Yeah, there's nobody wandering around with a 72-hour day who's somehow managing to fit in all this stuff. You know, Everyone's making choices over where they spend their time. And our energy is yeah, it's the gift that we give. And some things give us energy and some things take our energy. Um, but understanding that flow is really important. So, yeah, if in the end that family holiday to Dubai, you know, every year is the most yeah. important thing then that's okay so i'm not i'm not sitting in judgment of anyone's decisions but if the obstacle to life of, of a value that could come from something else like helping people is being stopped because of these decisions that we that you have control over you know um yeah it's this sense of being done too you've got to get out of this mindset of somehow i have this lifestyle is happening to me all of those decisions, the choices that we've made, we chose to buy the bigger house to require the bigger mortgage. We can downsize. You know, that's a choice. Mm -hmm. Of course, it comes with impacts. But a lot of this, a lot of midlife is about taking back control. It's about making decisions. I mean, you've sort of talked about group psychology and, you know, how, you know, we, we basically, whoever you are, you're in some sort of group. And obviously, you've talked about control, and you don't have control of that group. So, I mean, and, and you've sort of talked about, you know, lifestyle, you, you know, you had to change your lifestyle. So my question would be, what did your group, so your children, you know, how how does, because the value that comes to you, obviously, you know, your family will be like, oh, well, it's lovely that dad's happy, but... I want my holiday to Dubai. You know, it, it's yeah. How how um, again? You know, it's that balance. But yeah. when yeah, as you say, when when there's a group involved, you know, you don't. You know, it's not as simple as oh, well, I'll be a lot happier being a sheep farmer in Wales or a beekeeper. Yeah, but yeah, you know, well, is I your family? I think I think it is. I think so. I always I always um, tell the story of uh, my youngest son, who back yeah back when he was kind of five or six, and I was working. Yeah, insane hours at this ad agency. We were sitting on the bed, and there was a our cat was on the bed, and um, I said to him, "Stupid, well, stupid conversations." I said, "Yeah, how much do you love the cat out of 10? And um, uh, and he said, uh, "You know, ten out of 10. And I stupidly said, "How much would you do you love me out of 10? And he said, "Oh, about six. And yeah, it was, just, it was a bit of a body blow, you know. Um, and I said, "Okay." Um, why? He said, well, you know, you're not just not, you're just not here very much. 
And since then, you know, since leaving the employment, working from home and being present in my child's life, you know, I have, I haven't asked him, but I have absolutely no doubt, and he talks about it, that I'm there for them. I pick them up from school. I'm present in their lives. So, you know, we have less holidays than we had before. You know, we haven't had to downsize our house, but we don't, you know, we didn't buy a brand new car. We did, you know, the, the choices that we make, it's certainly not, a, we don't live in poverty. We're lucky. But what he got out of it was time. And, and that's what he's going to remember is that he actually, he, and he was, he was aware of it. And we, we don't think our kids are, but they are aware mm. of, our, of our lack of presence. So I think that's one thing I want to say about here. Happiness comes from all sorts of places. There's, a, there's different values to stuff in life. Yeah, I think we often forget that, right? And I think that's that's a nice note to to end it on because looking at the time, we we, we unfortunately have to wrap, wrap wrap up because all children do know, right? And they they will look back in years, and and you know they if I see they they of course they will remember the holidays, right? Of course, you know. The, I mean, not that I want to go to Dubai, but uh, you know, it's it's like they you know they will, but they. They, they get more value essentially out of it right from from the time we spend with them and you know things things we tell them and and the point is that if you're present when you're on that holiday well they remember that you were happy and present and engage with them on the yeah holiday. They exactly. remember if the holiday was a four-star hotel or a two-star hotel no exactly andrew thank you so much for for being our guest i mean as as, as we oh, always say at the end or david always says i i never say that uh no we um we we like we like you know I think there's so much more we can we can explore, but th- th- thanks for, if I say, touching the tip of the iceberg, and um, yeah. you know maybe we get a chance to go deeper at some point. Yeah, if absolutely. people want to find out more about you, I don't know, do, do you operate mainly online or certain locations? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm mostly cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly on LinkedIn. So I put a lot of content on LinkedIn. Yeah, you know, I'm under my name, but also under the Midlife Coach, uh, and then I'm also on Facebook. But I have to say I do less on Facebook. Um, and yeah. To one social media platform too many uh, but yeah uh, and then my website is um, midlife-coach.co.uk um, and so there's there's lots of kind of my story on there there's there's sort of stories of my clients and there's I also have a blog on there as well perfect and we put all that into the show notes as well and uh, yeah thank you again for, for joining us today oh, great to spend time with you guys really good conversation thank you thanks for listening to this week's episode Feel free to reach out to Volker or David via our website, www.manupdown.com or podcast at manupdown.com with any feedback or to let us know what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Hear you again soon.